This is Things That Really Matter, a podcast by Global Multidisciplinary Engineers Kundal that is dedicated to creating new and innovative solutions for the built environment and driving the agenda towards a more sustainable future. Join us as we discuss the challenges and changes that affect the built environment around the world with the brightest minds in our industry. Hello and welcome to the Things That Really Matter podcast. My name is Rick Navarro and I'm the Head of Marketing and Clients APAC at Kundal. And today I'm joined by JD Dearness, a Senior Sustainability Manager in our Kundal Sydney office. I'll be chatting to JD about the connection between engineering design and interior design, the importance of the well rating system, and the often underrated impact of biophilia on well-being. JD, welcome. Thank you. I have a question about this integration of engineering design and interior design and how important that is in creating more of a holistic workplace or environment in which we spend most of our time these days. Yeah, no, it's a good topic to bring up. What I know of the different areas of design and construction are that often everyone is siloed off in their own individual parts of design and engineering and often they don't get that chance to integrate but the best outcomes for projects are usually with companies where the engineers and the interior designers have actually had the chance to cross-pollinate a little bit, not work in such a siloed way and actually have the chance to um, basically talk through design problems together rather than approaching it as separate stakeholders and just running in parallel, actually merging and working together in that field. And I see that happening more these days than it did probably 20 years ago when showing my age, I first um, got out of design uh, school. But the nice thing about that approach now is that you actually get um, the more like uh, a more holistic um, end product as well as a better feel for what the other stakeholders that you're working with actually can do and how they can contribute to your design process as well. So I think it's I think it's wonderful these days to see a lot of design firms actually working more in partnership with each other from earlier stages of the design process. And I think that really helps with a, a better and more integrated project outcome. It, it, it only improves the end design basically. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've noticed quite a bit from design as it's progressed over the last 20 years. It's wonderful to see. Yeah, and fascinating that you've got that integrated piece. So if we take that a step further and consider the impact and the intersection with the well rating Mm. system, where do you see that that's being currently used uh, to full effect, but also where there's opportunities to embrace that even further? The well building standard is a great framework. It's a great way to, um, because it is holistic and it does take, it doesn't take just into account design and construction, but also the operations of the building. And at the end of the day, you're designing for the people who are going to be in the building. And part of that, um, an important part of that is actually the managers of the building. So the people who are actually operating the building for everyone within it at the end of the day and have to keep the uh, maintain the building and keep it operating in a way that makes it comfortable for everyone. So the nice thing about well is because it is about health and well-being primarily, it does completely take those ideas into account and you actually have to, as a designer from the start of it, the earlier, the earlier you work with well in the design process, you actually get 
firstly what I was talking about with that integration between the engineers and the designers. So you get them talking to each other earlier and thinking more with regards to each other's needs and requirements in the building process. But you also have that added layer of both of those groups of people, so all of the designers essentially and all of the engineers, thinking about the policies and the outcomes for the managers who have to actually make it function at the end of the day. So what you have is a wonderful situation where you'll have conversations with the managers upfront with the designers or on at the same time as the designers to figure out, okay, so you're designing this building, but how is this actually going to function for the person who has to, you know, figure out how it's going to operate at the end of the day. So it's wonderful because um, Often when you don't have that process, you see a disjointed building where maybe the thermal requirements of the building don't quite match up with how the person's going to operate the building. Uh, and that can, that can cause issues. So can the lighting, if there are issues with the lighting that just weren't thought about from an operational perspective. But when you have all of that considered at the start and you have your managers and the people working in the building really front and centre from the very start of the design process, you get a more holistic approach all the way through the design and construction to the actual running of the building. And that's what I like about WELL because it's one of the very few um, certification schemes that actually takes all of that into consideration. Very comprehensive indeed. It is. So JD, we often hear the word productivity used to describe uh, the use of materials and processes in achieving the best outcome. Can you unpack that a little bit for us into what that actually means? Yeah, there's. Uh, I have a few issues with the word productivity. It is important. So the wonderful thing about using productivity is that, say, 2015, even 15 years ago, um, some of the design features that we now take for granted as things that do work in the environment and um, help with productivity in building design, they weren't actually quantified um, that period of time ago. So what we had was a situation where we had designers and engineers saying, no, no, this is good for, this is, you know, good for building design, but they didn't necessarily have the quantifiable and the link between the money that a client could make, which is productivity basically, to the design integration. So you couldn't really put those items forward for good design and actually have the client take them on board because they did cost money and the client couldn't see an end result that where they would get that money back, the return on investment. Uh, so what we've seen over the last 15 odd years is a lot of research into those elements, which has allowed designers to be able to put forward these design items and say well look you will you'll make this much back on you know your return on investment with how you approach this if you include these design elements which they couldn't before so I feel like it, it does have its role and it's a really good way of pitching your design process to your client but the downside to that is that because they didn't like as designers we haven't had that option um, before it has been overused slightly, I feel, and I think, I think it is a moral thing as well. I think part of good design 
is actually the consideration of downtime, um, restoration, just ethically looking at people and making things comfortable for people because that's part of being another human being. And I sometimes feel that ethically that gets lost in the whole idea of productivity and productivity is put too much to the fore and not enough about the other aspects of human nature that need to be taken into consideration with the design process. So yeah, it's just, that's my thoughts on productivity. And I feel that it's just like a pendulum that's swung too far one way because we haven't had the opportunity to use our quantifiable process. And actually it, I'm hoping that it swings back a little bit at some stage soon and we get to a bit more equilibrium with the ethical side of how we design as well. It's interesting to hear you ex uh, unpack that for us. And for me, I think it's that piece around user experience and human-centered design, which yes. I think is really key in what both our tenants, yeah. and landlords and property owners and asset owners really yeah. need to consider as part of this holistic approach to design. Yes, yeah, I agree with you totally. And I do think it is about a holistic approach to design. So I think productivity is one part of it, but like you're saying, I think a better approach is human-centered design realistically, because it takes into account everything that is involved with building for humans. So it's much more uh, an ethical approach, I feel. Yeah, thank you. And that's a really brilliant segue when we talk about human-centered design and connection to the natural environment mm. about one of your favorite topics, and that's biophilia. Yes. And um, biophilia has obviously come to the fore in the last 10, 20 years as an integral part of introducing the natural environment. It's a built environment, um, but I know you have some uh, some broader thoughts on that and ones that I think the industry can take heed from. Yes, yeah, yeah. So um, it is wonderful to see biophilia brought into buildings now because it is an important part of the design process. What worries me a little is that it's kind of been used a little, a little bit tokenistically. I've found with few of the building designs I've seen where everyone tends to believe that, oh, you add green wall and plants and that's biophilia, you're done. Um, biophilia is actually a design process. So it's been known about since 1984 when uh, Edward Owen Wilson coined the term. And he was actually talking about natural processes. So biophilia is when it's looked at in terms of biophilic design is actually more about creating buildings that are closer to nature because nature is you know, the natural environment of a human being so the idea of moving our building design so that building design itself is more of a um, mimicking natural processes is basically what underpins biophilia and in terms of extending it from a living plant, for example. And we've seen many examples of terrific green walls in you know, corporate foyers and even used within offices. When you think about the extension of that, and I know you've got some great examples where you can talk about how it's used without plants. So introducing nature in different ways. Can you explain that as well? Yeah, so there have been studies shown and because I come from both a design arts and construction background, I kind of skip across the different research in the different areas. So I think it helps with cross-pollination of where the research is actually at on biophilia. And a lot of that's actually shown. And I have to keep reminding designers of this too, that it doesn't just have to be a plant. It can be something that's plant-like. Um, you will get the same emotional response and um, physiological responses from a beautiful visual image or an artwork 
a kind of naturalistic forms as you will a plant itself. And in some cases, you'll actually get a better response because it actually has to do about more to do with variety of the natural forms. So what one research paper I was looking at showed that if you have a monoculture of plants, any kind of monoculture, um, it's actually not, it doesn't give you that same physiological benefit as does the variation. So you could have a variation of natural colors, variation of natural materials, and it would give you that same kind of response as would a green wall, which has a variety of different plants in it. That's fascinating. And I think uh, lots of lessons to pass on to our industry and yeah. some of our uh, colleagues as well in terms of how they approach design and I think something that can be embraced more broadly. JD, it's been a fascinating terrain that we've covered today across a number of different design topics. So I appreciate your time and look forward to working with you again. Thank you very much, really appreciate it. This is a podcast by Condor, the first engineering consultancy to be certified carbon neutral by the Carbon Trust.